ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستهديه ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان سيدنا محمدا عبده ورسوله ونبيه وصفيه وحبيبه بلغ الرساله وادى الامانه ونصح للامه وجاهد في سبيل الله حتى اتاه اليقين وتركنا على المحجه البيضاء ليلها كنهارها لا يزيغ عنها الا هالك فاللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد في الاولين وصل وسلم على سيدنا محمد في الاخرين وصل وسلم على سيدنا محمد في الملأ الاعلى الى يوم الدين وصل وسلم على سيدنا محمد في كل وقت وحين وعلى اله الاطهار وعلى اصحابه الاخيار وعلى اتباعه الابرار الى يوم الدين يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن الا وانتم مسلمون يا ايها الناس اتقوا ربكم الذي خلقكم من نفس واحده وخلق منها زوجها وبث منهما رجالا كثيرا ونساء واتقوا الله الذي تساءلون به والارحام ان الله كان عليكم رقيبا يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم اعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم وما يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما وبعد فان اصدق الحديث كتاب الله وان خير الهدي هدي سيدنا ومولانا رسول الله وان شر الامور لمحدثاتها فكل محدثه بدعه وكل بدعه ضلاله وكل ضلاله في النار this spot is asking the men what is somebody upset with this spot right here we can do better than all your engineers and accountants and architects and physicians mashallah so the, so the men can come up can scooch up because then when i get all of the conductors i get distracted uh, during a you know, human and then the women there's that nice comfortable room in the back that's empty so you can populate especially the young sisters that are here you guys you don't need the backrest yeah, make it make it and then there's overflow on the bottom alhamdulillah So you, no, now no, nobody's upset in the front row because the spots are full. Right? Okay, alhamdulillah. And I think maybe you guys can tazahamu, tarahamu, you know, be crowded and Allah's uh, mercy will descend. وَإِذَا قِيلَ لَكُمْ تَفَسَّحُوا فِي الْمَجَالِسِ فَفْسَحُوا يَفْسَحِ اللَّهُ لَكُمْ Allah says, when it is said in the gatherings, you know, make space for each other, Allah will make space for you. This is in the Qur'an. So inshallah, this is part of the, the sunnah. Alhamdulillah. One of the things that we we pride ourselves with Islam is we we always talk about the importance of the community. And we always we use the word ummah. And the reason we use the word ummah is because this is how Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala has described the community and he said that this is one ummah. You know there's not five islams or or six islams or two is one islam. We have differences underneath that but there is one binding creed which is la ilaha illallah muhammadur rasulullah inna hadhihi ummatukum ummatan wahida allah says indeed this ummah this nation of ours is one nation 
And this is oft repeated in the Qur'an and frequently commented on by the Prophet ﷺ. And this underscores this important value of the group, of the community, the nation, the neighborhood. However we describe, describe that, but as a Muslim, you have this connection with other Muslims. Even if you, if you haven't traveled or you don't know other languages, but when you read something or you hear something that deals with the other Muslims, you, you feel that's like our tribe. You kind of feel for that. And you make dua for that, inshallah. I had one of my teachers, he was in Damascus. He used to, there was like a barber shop by his house. And every day on his way back, he would go uh, just to see, I think they were like playing like BBC Arabic or something like that. He would just want to see the news. Uh, and when his students asked him why, he said, so I can make dua for all of the Muslims that are in trouble. I want to know what's going on. And the Prophet Sallallahu he, he addressed this. He, meant, he said, مَنْ لَا يَهْتَمُّ If you are not concerned with the affairs of Muslims, you are not from amongst that group. So this is natural that we care about what's happening. And to this importance, the Prophet Sallallahu he left us a very important hadith. And we refer to this hadith as Hadith al-Safina, the hadith of the boat. You know, there are some hadith that are just famous for something in it and has its own name. It's not called that in the books of hadith, but we call it that because of what, what we will see. And it is narrated by Al-Bashir ibn Nu'man radiallahu anhumah, and it's cataloged in the collection of Imam al-Bukhari radiallahu anhu. The hadith is lengthy, but it begins for those of you that are familiar. مَثَلُ الْوَاقِفِ عَلَى حُدُودِ اللَّهِ and the Prophet ﷺ goes on, he gives us the example of the person that follows the commandments and the ordinance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, hududullah, the, the boundaries of Allah. The example of the person that follows that versus the example of the person that falls into the haram is as follows. So here the Prophet ﷺ is making a very a decla a decla a declaration. If you want to know if you're doing right or if you want to know if you're doing wrong, weigh yourself against what I'm about to say. And then the Prophet ﷺ, he gives this example of a group of people that are on a boat. There are some that made it on the top deck and there are those that are underneath. And every time the people underneath want to drink water, they have to go upstairs or knock on the door or ask the people up, up on, the, on the deck to give them water. So the people on the bottom of the boat, they say rather than disturb the people on the top of the boat, we will just take a portion of our boat, our compartment, we will drill some holes, we will draw the water, and we will not bother anybody. So the Prophet ﷺ said, if the people on the top do not stop them, then everybody will drown. In this hadith, the Prophet ﷺ, he describes to us our circumstance in reality, our circumstance in community. And he talks about three groups of people. The first group of people are the people that are on the bottom of the boat, that have a good niyyah, a good intention, but they're misinformed. They're ignorant. They don't understand. They think that this decision makes sense. Why? Why? We don't want to bother the people on the top of the boat. That's their excuse. So the Prophet is saying that they're good, but they're wrong. Their intention is right, but it's followed by incorrect actions. And the interesting thing about this group 
is you can do this to yourself. You can, we, we say, you know, you kind of, you jinx yourself you, in, in the modern language. That you keep having these micro decisions in your mind. I'm going to do this. Yeah, that's good. I'm going to do this. Yeah, that's good. I'm going to do this. Yeah, and then all of these decisions lead you off a cliff. So if you do not weigh the micro decisions that you make with a bigger strategy, you will be lost. And in the study of warfare, they call this the grand strategy. That war, for those that, of the people that study warfare, you know, people that are professional military people, when they study this, that war is to achieve some larger political objective. Meaning that if there are other ways to achieve that political objectives, that would save money and save lives and, and save resources, then they would, the, the politicians in charge would, would go that way, which is why in our system of government, it is the civilians that oversee the military, uh, ultimately. I mean, that's the theory behind it, and in any case. So again, our micro decisions, if they are not weighed against a larger strategy, a larger paradigm, you know, Allah says in the Quran, فَأَيْنَ تَذْهَبُونَ Where are you going? You know, what is, what, what is your goal in, in all of these decisions? So this is the first group of people. They're ignorant, they're misinformed, but their intentions are good. And then the Prophet ﷺ says that there's a second group of people which see what's happening, know that it's wrong, but are silent. Well, if those people in the boat are silent and do not intervene, everybody will sink. So these are the people that know what's right from what's wrong. They see the wrong, they are able to act, to intercede, to prevent, to intervene, but they don't. So therefore the boat will sink. And then there are those that the Prophet ﷺ said, see the wrong, know that it's wrong, know what's right, and they intervene, and everybody is saved. These are the three types of people that the Prophet ﷺ likens all of us to. All of us that are trying to follow this the system that we call Islam, we are all in this boat with each other and with everyone around us. Now the reason that the, this hadith is so important and that it has its own name, you know, Hadith al-Safina, and we, we talk about it, is that it underscores the fundamental fact that we do not live by ourselves. As a matter of fact, when Imam al-Bukhari came to catalog this hadith, he put this hadith in the section of corporations, a sharika, in a business section, because the sharika, the, the corporation in the Arabic, sharika means that you are working with other people, you have a sharik. Don't we say, Allahu la sharika la, you know, there's no associate with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But when we're in business, we associate with each other. It's a different type of association. We have to associate, we share our capital, we share our resources, we share our know-how, we form a corporation together. So Imam al-Bukhari, he said, this hadith belongs there because it's a hadith that deals with other people. So even in the placement of the hadith, this is a side note, there are lessons of why certain hadith are placed in certain sections. To underscore the fact that we do not live alone. All of us, we live in some kind of community. And all of us, we consume the same resources. We have the same elected officials, we follow the same laws, or we're supposed to follow the same laws. We have neighbors, our children go to school with other children that are our neighbors. We use the same services, 
people that are in the service industry, whether it be uh, physicians or accountants or consultants or whatever, we're all going to those same services to draw on. We breathe the same air. We drink the same water, literally, as everybody else around us. So we are all in that same boat. And if you think macro uh, completely, as a global community, we are all consuming the same resource. There's only a finite amount of resources in this world. And all of us are consuming those same resources in different quantities, of course, and in different ways. And they're exploited in different ways, but they are the same set of resources. We are all connected. We are not by ourselves. And because of that, we have a social responsibility. A responsibility that goes beyond our individual self. To be cognizant of those things that happen around us, that affect us and affect our family and our community. Now it could be the Muslim community, it could be as small as just your family or your household, but it could be your neighborhood. It could be your professional association. It could be your co-workers. It could be this county. It could be the state. It could be the nation. Whatever, all of the above, any and all of these categories, as a Muslim we have a, a, a social obligation to be cognizant in every step of what our contribution is to those communities. And here, when we see the hadith and we think about our predicament, we find that we are really between two extremes. One extreme is the unfortunate direction of the dominant culture, which is to be selfish. Just worry about yourself. Consume, consume, consume without any concern about you know, the impact. This is a private gathering. This is a private home. What I do behind closed doors is private, which is true, even Islamically. I'm not saying it's not true. But what this does, it, it, these are those micro decisions, by the way, that lead maybe to a false conclusion. It leads to the ultimate conclusion is I could do whatever I want. And you can't stop me because it's private. And it's legal, whatever the, the rationale may be. This is one extreme. And maybe people that are younger, they are more susceptible to that. Because we live in the age of, of you know, hyper-consumerism. And the glamour of consumption, without any concern whatsoever, any concern whatsoever of what that consumption does for us. The other extreme, and this is more for, let us say, people inside the, the tent of Islam that, that are not properly trained, is to intervene without proper knowledge. You see, this hadith is about an amr bil ma'roof wa nahi an al-munkar, enjoining the right and forbidding the wrong. And Muslims that don't understand, they think that when you see something wrong, you have to go after it and you have to change it. But that necessitates that you know what is right and what is wrong. You see the Prophet ﷺ in the hadith, you have to read the hadith in its context and, and really think about the words of the hadith. That you have to know that those people on the bottom are going to drill the holes. And you have to know that drilling the hole will sink the boat. So you have to know something about the boat, about how big the hole is, what kind of water, whatever the case may be, you have to know those things. There are conditions to enjoining the good and forbidding the evil. And then many Muslims, they'll quote this hadith, if you see something wrong, change it with your hands. Right? This hadith. But the key word of this hadith, فَإِن لَمْ تَسْتَطَعْ But if you cannot, meaning that there are conditions for changing something with your hands, 
There are conditions for changing something with your speech or communication, and there are conditions for changing something or rejecting it with your heart. The Prophet is not saying that you see somebody praying wrong in the mosque, you go in and you, you stop their prayer. That's not the way of the Prophet. That's not the sunnah of the Prophet Even if you see something and you're an alim and you know that it's wrong. But when the man came in to urinate in the mosque, which everyone would agree is wrong, the Prophet said, let him finish. And then pour some water over it and tell him that this is not the place to urinate. That's the sunnah of the Prophet even though that individual act was incorrect. So these are the two extremes that we have. We don't want to be selfish. We don't want to live in this world and only see ourselves and not care about our fellow man, our fellow woman, our neighbors, whether they share our faith or not. Or quite frankly, whether they like us or not. We don't want to be that person. We want to be a true philanthropist, which is to love humanity. Because the Prophet ﷺ, he loved everybody. He only fought when he had to fight. He only fought as much as he had to fight. And yet, at the end of it all, he freed everyone that was against him. When he was in control, and he, the security of the community was guaranteed, the Prophet ﷺ said, اِذْهَبُوا فَأَنْتُمْ الْتُلَقَاءِ When he entered Mecca, he said, Go, you are free. Those that go into the house of Abu Sufyan, they are free. He didn't make them convert to Islam. He didn't make them pray the prayers of Islam. He said, go, you are free, taliq, completely. Without, there's not even truth and reconciliation. It's beyond that. Acknowledging the shortcomings, acknowledging the aggression, acknowledging the abuse, acknowledging the torture, go, you are free. Completely, your, your record is completely clean. Why? Because the Prophet ﷺ, he loved people. He loved humans. Yes, maybe some humans were against him. Yes, maybe some humans hurt him. But at the end of the day, he cared for his fellow man. So we don't want to be in that extreme of selfishness. And at the same time, we do not want to be in the extreme that we terrorize our Muslim brothers and sisters not knowing what is right from what is wrong, and thinking that we are enjoining the right and enjoining the wrong. And I'll give you a hint about this latter part, is that whenever you sit with somebody, and they use the word bid'ah or haram more than twice in two sentences, do not sit with this person. Because this is not from the way of the Prophet ﷺ. Yes, I begin the, hadith, the khutbah with the hadith, because this is the way the Prophet began the, the khutbah. This is the sunnah. But other than that, we don't go running around you know, firing the bid'ah gun against each other because Islam is vast and it is flexible and it is tolerant and it is a system of mercy. So for us, this hadith is important for several reasons. One, to remind ourselves that we do not live alone that we are always part of some community. Even if it's just your little friends, your, your little circle of friends and family. But you're also part of other communities. Because whether you acknowledge it or not, you are a citizen, you are a resident of the county, of the state, of the country. And part of that means that we have obligations to the greater community. Because everybody's in the same boat. And we don't want this boat to sink. If this society flourishes, we flourish. If this society does not, we do not. If the school in which your children go to is safe, 
It's safe for everybody. If it's not, it's not safe for everybody. So on and so forth. So we have to realize that this little space that you occupy, <coughs> life is much bigger than this, just that little space. And number two, we want to recognize and acknowledge that we do not want to fall in these extremes, the extreme of selfishness and consumption, to the point of almost self, you know, self-annihilation. At the same time, we do not want to be false in our addressing the differences amongst us. Because this hadith addresses the fact that we are different. Yes, we are one ummah. We look to the hajj, we say, oh, mashallah, everyone's dressed the same way and everyone's doing the same, you know, the same uh, nusuk and they're, they're doing the same things. Yeah, but when you go into the tents, you know, there's the one-star tent, the two-star tent, the ten-star tent. There are people that do the jamarat in a car. There are people that do the tawaf in a helicopter. We're all different. And those differences is natural. Because Allah created us plural. Even within the ummah of Islam, we're plural. So the hadith also reminds us as a community, especially one like this that is so different in language and ethnicity, etc., that we will have differences. And that's okay. As long as the differences do not sink the whole boat. أَقُولُ قَوْلِ هَذَا وَاسْتَغْفِرُ اللَّهُ وَلِي وَلَكُمْ فَاسْتَغْفِرُوا إِنَّهُ هُوَ الْغَفُورُ الرَّحِيمُ أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم صلِّ وسلِّم وبارك على سيدنا ومولانا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم uh, we want to make dua for Saba Bushra Amir, who is in who is in critical care in the hospital. So may Allah Subhanahu wa Taala give them uh, shifa, inshallah, healing. And also for Mir Hussein Shadri, Muhammad Mazharat Haq, they are ill, so they're asking the their families asking community. So we ask Allah Subhanahu wa Taala for shifa for all of those that are ill. I think we have a young sister in the back who's also ill. So we're going to wrap this up very soon for you, inshallah. Uh, the hajis of the community have started to return. So if you, if you have gone to hajj and you return, can you just raise your hand? Okay, so there's some brothers and sisters. So these are, you go get the barakah from these people while it's still, still there, inshallah. Congratulate them. And I'm sure more will return and, and look out for the, we'll have a, a reception at some point, inshallah, for them. Uh, ICCP is planning a umrah trip in December. If you're interested, you can talk to Brother Mohsin. And Roman Khan, tonight my class is at 6.45 and Tarif's class Sunday is 5.45. And I just uh, will wrap up very quickly because I see there's somebody who's... who's uh, everything is fine in the back? Yeah? Okay. So we ask Allah for shifa, inshaAllah. Wa aqim as-salah, fa inna salata kanat al-mu'minina kitaban mawquta.